Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap as if they are blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody else who might also be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach. And just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So if you see somebody asking questions about how to start their own service-based company, please do us a favor and drop a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch Smedley. David Hilton. Mitch Smedley. It's hot David out. Hilton. It's hot out. Yeah, it's hot. The, uh, it's not just hot. It's fucking hot. The, the truck was saying that uh, your truck thermometer is always like off, right? I'm going to say 10% off. The truck was saying 110 today. So my ten percent off that puts it at ninety nine. My red truck said hundred. Yeah. So that's probably right. Yeah. It was so man, it's hot. And it's oh gonna get hotter God, over the next hot. couple of days. Yeah. And this so. weekend there's it's like be one hundred and five. Yeah. It's good stuff. Bring on that global warming, baby. Bring it. Oh my God, the polar ice caps are melting. Yeah, they've been melting for ten thousand years. Okay. Yeah. We're just speeding it up a little bit. It's like, hey, you know what came on the nineteen twenties? Air condition. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Go inside. It, you'll be Deal fine. With it, right? You'll be fine. We uh, Austin shade, and I were, were water on your face, you know. Austin and I were driving around town <laughs> filming a little bit. Drive by the golf course. And it's packed, right? Dude, people want to be outside. Yeah. And Austin's like, I can't believe how crazy it is. I'm like, dude, the only people who are trying to convince you that it's like scary hot or dangerously hot is the news. Like, yeah, yeah, it's uncomfortable if you're not used to it. But if you're used to being outside, a hundred doesn't feel that much different than ninety two. No, and guess what? It's been like this forever yeah since it's summer since the caveman days yeah it's hot guess yeah. what guess what happens in the summertime it gets hot. hot it's hot and, yeah. then, and you know what happens in the fall it cools off a it little it cools off a little and in the winter it snows and it's cold <laughs> and in the spring it starts to warm back up yeah but we forget every right? year people like we forget how to drive when it snows oh my god it's just so people have something to complain about yeah that's exactly we, what we it talked is. about those those paper straws too. I'm just like I, I increasingly get more mad every single every time I see a paper straw in a restaurant. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> Did we just completely change? <laughs> it's global warming. People are like, oh, let's get just drink from this pl- oh, this paper I straw. Sea turtle gets filmed having a straw crammed up his nose, and now every restaurant in the U.S. has to ban plastic straws because you know what? No one gave a shit why. when a straw was in my nose. Right? No one cared. You know the best part about the new paper no straws? Give a fuck. They come in a plastic wrapper. <laughs> Oh, it's not a paper wrapper? Oh, they got to protect them. Well, yeah. So it's got to be... <laughs> you don't want moisture getting to oh, it. Man. It'll rot. The irony of bullshit. Yeah. Unbelievably it's... stupid. Yeah, pretty crazy. Oh, my. It's not crazy. It's complete stupidity. What? Complete uh, stupidity. What are we talking about today, Dave? We're going to talk about um, people in business that haven't been in business for a year, six months, two years making a whole lot of money during a very bountiful time and then misallocating those funds. Yes. Whether it be blowing it, not doing wise things with it, not reinvesting it in their company. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. I brought it up because I know a guy who literally is kicking ass and taking names right now. And I was asking him, like, hey, you know, you know, what are you doing? This and that. Oh, we just had this. I'm not going to give the exact numbers. Oh, we had this $25,000 job come through. And, oh, you know, we really were, you know, it only cost us, you know, $7,000. And the rest of it was profit. And after taxes, I'm going to have $15,000 left over. I mean, I know none of those numbers make sense. I'm just making those up. Right, right, right. And then instead of putting that money towards paying a van off or, putting it away to pay for the next van or getting enough material to stock him through January. We're buying a new motorcycle. Right. You know, right. and we're like, I'm, I, I didn't say anything to him. It's not my place. Oh, Hey man, great. I'm glad you're doing good. The whole time I'm thinking, dude, what the fuck are you doing? It sure, it sure it's, sounds like the story of somebody who in about six to nine months is going to be going under and going, I don't know what happened. Well, you know, it's hard for, you know, it's hard for me to, so if his taxes are paid for, 
and his guys are taken care of and his bills are paid and everything's fine and technically that is his money. It is 100%. It's hard for me to look down on him, but I just know that he could be making smarter choices. Yeah. And that's why we were going to bring this stuff up today because um, it is your money. You can do what you want with it. Yeah. But you need to be smart with it for the times, just like Mitch is saying, in six months when shit hits the fan, yeah, economy slows down, you know, it's just maybe it's just a, a thirty day harsh winter, right? And there's a lull. You're gonna need at least a little bit of that money to well, help you through. Look what look what happened with COVID, right? Right. You had a lot of people spending money as fast as it came in, not saving much. And like, as soon as they announced that some businesses were going to be closing, the first thing that popped into my head is that this is going to cleanse a lot of unhealthy businesses from the marketplace. And sure enough, within one week of the business closures, you had people announcing that they were closing their doors. Yeah. I would say it was, I noticed it maybe 30 days. Like, like when that next rent came due, we were in trouble. Yeah. You know, like those 30 to 45 days after, I mean, you could really, and I don't, you know, Mitch says that and people think, oh, he's just, he's being a downer and he's, you know, no, nope. It's just reality. It is. You have to be smart with the money that you are allowed to have. And that's, it's a weird way to say it, but I mean, literally you're allowed to have it. You got it. Here it is. What are you going to do with it? Well, and a lot of it too depends on your business organization, right? Like if you are the only person in your business, you're the only employee and you have a large personal savings, well then, yeah, you might be able to spend every dollar that's coming into the business, right? You don't have anybody else looking out for that, right? But let's go the other extreme. Let's say you have 10 employees. Yeah. Now that number is probably not 15,000. It's probably more like, oh, I had an extra 50 this month. Well, it, it, the the extra might be a larger number, yeah. but also the amount of money that you should be keeping in reserve should is be. now larger too. Yeah, because you've got employees to look out for, um, and <clears throat> to a to a sense, the larger your business gets, the bigger the uh, the bigger the fuck ups seem to be, right? So or not, can be for sure. Yeah, and we're not talking like things that you've damaged or things that you fuck up. We're talking about some of the incidentals that just happen in business. Um, very real ones are going to be like your accountant, your accountant telling you that, yeah, you're totally fine on taxes. So you spend your wad and then all of a sudden tax time comes around and he's like, oops, uh, we're not fine. And you owe $17,000 and now you don't have it. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a problem. I mean, let's let's talk about that. I mean, it's a problem. That guy screwed up. Everyone's thinking, oh, man, that's that guy's problem. Yeah, it is his problem. He's probably getting fired, but it's still your tax liability. It's still your tax liability. Yeah, yeah, he made a mistake, but it doesn't dissolve your tax liability. No, you're still on the hook for that money. Right. And, and right. I think that's what gets people in trouble a lot is, you know, they think, <clears throat> especially guys and – I know that this show is for, you know, first year guys, but if four or five years down the road and they've done everything the same every year and they have been kicking ass and taking names, they almost feel, they don't feel bulletproof, but they feel like they've seen everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that those purse strings get a little looser and they start spending a little more money and then something catastrophic does happen. Right. And they're like, Oh shit! I wasn't prepared. I thought we'd been doing things right this whole time. Right. I mean, I've seen guys that you know five or six years down the road, and then, I mean, it didn't put them under, but man, it put them behind the eight ball. They didn't get paychecks for two months personally because they were trying to keep their guys on, and they had tax. Most of them were tax liabilities that I'd seen. Yeah. But you know, you've you've got to be prepared for that. It's hard to put a system in place to do that, but. I mean, you can do it, but you should, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what percentages I think you should be putting away. Mitch is going to, you know, talk about how he does it, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's just, it can be a scary thing when you're making a lot of money and you're not sure, you know, what to do with it. 
you know well, where to put it, things like that. I'm rambling a little bit, but and, and some <laughs> of the some of the stuff too depends on like how your guys are paid, right? So if you're opening up a company that has a commission based sales force, then you might not have to have as much in reserve as if you have like salaried positions or if you have hourly positions. Um, and what I mean by that is a commission based sales force. You don't, you're not paying them unless they're selling something. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, something, <clears throat> if they're, if, if they're not selling, then they're not making money. It's different than like a salaried position where they're making money, whether you're selling or not. So, um, uh, that changes how big of a nest egg you need to be setting aside. But realistically, you want to be working towards, um, you want to be working towards a goal of having about six months of, exp- my thought is you want to have about six months of expenses, business expenses set aside in the bank at all times. Um, and then once you have that egg built, you can use that. That's, it's probably a little too large of an egg, right? Um, let's say you're... No, a bit, you want your money to work for you. You don't want to just be stocking it all away. Correct. So, <laughs> like, let's say you're a business that's doing... Um, let's say you're a business that's doing a little over a million dollars a year. Well, if you're doing a little over a million dollars a year, um, then... You know, after all taxes and expenses and everything else, six months of expenses might be 500K, right? It might be upper fours. It depends on, on the type of business you're in. It depends on the type of business you're you in. You know. Right. <clears throat> so um, if you don't have a lot of overhead, if you don't have a lot of salary employees, it's not going to be as much. Right. <clears throat> what I'm getting at, though, is you put that much of an egg sitting out there, that's a little too much. Uh, because that's 500,000. That's not really drawing you interest. If it's, if it's liquid, right. It's not really drawing you interest too much. So you're not really making much off that. It's money that you're having, like you want to sink it into the business because you can invest it. Right. Or if you're foolish, you want to go buy a lake house and a boat with it. Right. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we're trying to avoid. Right. I'm I'm getting two wave runners and a hot rod. (laughs) But, um, so, but when the business has an egg of four or 500,000, sitting in an account, you have a lot of power there. You have you, the ball is totally in your court. If you want to go buy a property, that's going to make it make better sense to run your business out of. You can do that. And you might not even have to spend the 500. The bank might just see that you have the 500 and then loan you yeah, if the you, majority if of the you amount. If you had 500 and you wanted to buy a building for four and you think, oh man, I could just, I could spend four and I'd have a hundred left. No, go to the bank, and if they say, hey, we'll loan you the money, put 50% down, right? and then you could still have that. If your mindset is, I'd like to have that cash still in there in case something happens, you have it. Right. You, know, right. you don't have to put it all. I'm not telling you to finance to the hill. I'm just saying you know, that would be an option for you at that point. Yeah, and, and so to scale back away from the whole million-dollar-a-year revenue business, right, um, to speak a little bit more to the heart of the listeners of this show – we're talking first years of business. Your first year of business, you might not do a hundred thousand in revenue, right? So if you're if you're doing a hundred thousand, you may do fifty. I mean, who knows? Who knows, right? Depends on what type of business you're doing and everything else. So your egg might be you might be looking at like a ten or a fifteen thousand dollar egg, right? Uh, and that's fine. That's totally fine. If you're going to take a ten or a fifteen thousand dollar egg and have it sitting in the bank. Like, like what we do in, in our business is we have a percentage of our revenue every month, twice a month, actually. Um, uh, on the 15th of the month, we look at all of our sales that we've done from the 1st to the 15th, and we take a certain percentage of that amount, and we set it aside in a business savings account. And this is percentage of revenue. This isn't net money that we've kept back. It's revenue. So we take a certain percentage and we set it aside in a business savings account. And then from the 15th to the last day of the month, we pull another report. What were our sales? We lob the percentage off of that and we set it aside. And doing it twice monthly, that's 24 times a year, and, and it's a small-ish percentage. It's not huge. And, and so it doesn't 
build overly fast. But we've done this since day one of the company, and we're coming up on two years in force, right? We've never, I don't want to say we've never taken a draw out of that account. We have. Um, but we seldom take a draw out of that account. That is our egg. That is our egg that we're building to sit there in case we need to do anything with it. In case a guy floods a house, you don't have to claim it on your insurance if it's not huge. You have the cash. Or if the right real estate <laughs> opportunity presents itself and I got to find 20% down, I got it. Yeah. Right? Um, if, uh, I mean, essentially... There's a hundred business scenarios where it could be good. You all of a sudden decided to do one advertisement and that one advertisement led to you having to hire two new guys. Right. And all of a sudden you're in panic mode. How do I get two new vans? How do I get two guys on payroll? How do I stock them? I got the money. Right. It's here. Right. So like my inventory, I don't have to go to the HELOC and borrow money. I have the cash to do it. Like my inventory cost me 12 to $14,000 depending on, I've got kind of two different levels of inventory. The inventory I have on my van is about twelve thousand. The inventory the guys, my other guys carry on theirs is about fourteen. So, you know, let's say panic scenario comes in and I got to hire two more guys, right? Yeah. A lot of times you can get a vehicle with little down. You know, they'll finance the yeah. whole amount of but a vehicle. But you need that inventory. But I got to pay sales tax on that vehicle. We're in Missouri. We have sales tax on vehicles. Some some of our listeners may not. Um, sales tax is a giant number. Like. Uh, for Candy. me to, for me to buy a vehicle, it's about 70 grand just to buy it. Yeah. And then about 10% of that is sales tax and title and licensing and all yeah. that stuff. So yeah, you got to come up with another eight. So in, in that you, you're not bucks. financing, right? Yeah. So there's $7,000 I mean, right you, there. You can, I, yeah, you could, but that's I, kind of a foolish way to do it. Yeah. Lots so, of guys, lots of people do it. They finance that sales tax, baby. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I got 7,000 right there. Yeah. And then an inventory, a set of inventory for the truck, that cost me twelve to fourteen. Well, so now you, we're at twenty you, grand. Yeah, say you skimped and you only spent ten. You're at seventeen. Right. So I mean just right there. I boom. mean, realistically, like straightforward numbers, I'm at twenty grand just buying a truck, financing the whole truck, but I gotta pay sales tax on it and put an inventory in it. There's twenty thousand dollars that I have to lay out just to be in a position to hire somebody. Yeah. It is insane. This you know, it's not like an office position where you buy them a desk and a chair and a computer and they're taking up space in the office that was already being paid for anyway. Yeah. Like these are these are massive things that you got to buy just so you can hire one individual. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the number that I may have in reserve might be different than some of our listeners, but it, it's different per case. And so that's why I say, like, work towards having it's going to start with like, let's have two weeks of expenses in reserve. Then let's have four weeks of expenses in reserve. And then now let's have two months of expenses in reserve. And then you're just going to build it and build it and build it. And then as that reserve gets larger, it gives you the opportunity to take more aggressive moves with your business, right? If you're, if you only have two weeks in reserve and you're looking at a move, that's going to wipe your reserve out. It makes you gut check. It makes you... Yeah. It makes you think of other options. Should I borrow the money? Should I not pay myself for this month? Should I... You know, it, there's a hundred scenarios. It makes you think, is this the right move? Yeah. Right? When even though you may know it's the right move. Right. Now, magnify that. So you got four months of reserve. And it's taken you a year or more to build up four months of reserve. So let's say you've got four months of reserve sitting in there. And an opportunity comes up that's going to wipe out your reserve. It better be the damn, you know, it better damn well be the right opportunity. Because, and I'm not, there may be opportunities come up where it does make sense to wipe that out. Depending on what it is that you're getting for it, right? Yeah, if you can get $40,000 worth of lottery tickets, I mean, that's probably the right (laughs) move. You know, you want to just cash that thing out, right? You know, you never know. Might pay off. I mean, you just. Pick six. Yeah, you just never, you never know what I. I like to think of it, and I've talked to some guys about it. <clears throat> After your, say you're, just as an example, say you're a one-man show starting out, mm-hmm. and everything is paid for, <clears throat> your taxes are paid for, and you have this $10,000 that's sitting there. Like, the way I always did it was, you know, <clears throat> my money 
that went to taxes went into another account. Okay. And then, so I always had that and then everything else stayed in my checking. Say you wanted to have another account and you took half of that and, and put it in there or just, or left it in there. And then it, instead of spending that for the first year, if everything's paid for and you're getting a paycheck, just consider that the business's money or your growth money and leave it in there. Right. And then the next year when that happens, this is a real simple way to look at it. The next year that happens, leave it in there. Say it goes three or four years and you just keep leaving it in there. Now you have a better idea of what those six months is, six months of expenses are. Right. Okay. You know what it took to get there. Right. You know, you have a track record. This is really for guys that don't know where they're going to be. You know, that first year for some guys, like Mitch had a real idea at the end of the first year, this is where I think I'm going to be. Yep. Some guys don't. They have no freaking clue. Well, and, and I but had... after one year, you have an idea of what your track record is. After two, you know. After three, you know. After four, you know. Yep. Now you have a better idea of what to do with that money. But you, you can't get to that point of knowing what your track record is if after six months you're blowing that money on stupid shit. Right, right. That's my money. I'm going to spend it to do this. And I'm not telling anyone that they're wrong. It's their money. They can do whatever the fuck they want with it. But well, to a point, blowing your money on stupid shit is wrong, whether you're self-employed or not. Yeah. Let's just be honest about that, okay. right? You so, mean, I mean, I, I agree with that, but it is their money, and people make bad decisions. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But from our perspective and our point of view, we're trying to help them you know, get to a place of success. And that takes discipline. We talk about it all the time on the show. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to take all the money you're making after you get your paycheck and say, that's not my money. Right. That's the business's money. Even though the business is mine, I'm going to set that money aside. And then here, when I get a better track record of what I can do and what's you know, what we're doing here, then I have a realistic expectation of, okay, it takes six months. This is this. Now I know that that's taken care of, oh, I can take this as a year-end bonus yeah. or a two-year-end bonus because I've put the work in, I've done it hard, and I've covered all of my bases. Right. It right. gives you a, a realistic view of how much money's coming in, how much money's going out, how much money is yours, and then how much money it takes to grow the business. Right. And, and so the amount you take out is always going to be tied to what are your plans for the business, right? If you want to pull, right. two, let's say you're seeing you're a year or two in and you're seeing some mild levels of success and you want to pull 200 grand out to go buy a boat. I mean, mm. it all depends. Like that's going to, especially if you only have 230 grand in the bank, Yeah, like you're going to wipe your account down to 30 just so you can have a boat. You're going to cripple your business's ability to grow. Yeah. You're going to start back at like month two or three, like let's say you're literally, two. Literally, that's what you're doing. If you if you were to do that, you're starting over. Yes. You have the experience, yes. Every, you have everything paid for, yes. You have two years of, of paychecks under your belt, but literally you're starting over. Yeah. Yeah. So as you get farther into business, you're going to understand what cash flow is and you're going to understand how your business cash flows. Cash flow is ultimately how much money is coming in versus how much money is going out and the timing of those events. Yeah. And so um, you're going to understand that a little bit better. Don't get deceived by higher bank balances early. Like, I am not shitting you. In our business, our bank account, our business bank account literally has $50,000 swings every single day month. And that's nothing. It will move. That's nothing. Right. So imagine if I was fairly shallow minded <clears throat> and at the height of it, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm rich. I'm going to go buy a boat. And then all the expenses come in, right? Like, like my payroll taxes are like $9,000 a month. Yeah. So, and, and they just automatically come out. The IRS just goes in there and says, thank you. Yeah. And, and they just come out every month. Right. So like, Literally 9,000 bucks just disappear out of the account, right? So you've got, um, uh, you know, payroll taxes, you've got quarterly taxes, you've got so much expenses just disappearing out of your account that you need to not view that. 
you need to not run your business by the bank account. No, and that's why I brought that up. So if you're, and I'm going to use myself as an example, when I started, I was extremely simple-minded and I didn't have a grasp of all of the things that it takes. Mm-hmm. So when I say don't touch that money for a year, that's from personal experience. Yep. I know that I had no idea, like Mitch is saying, what cash flow was. Right. What I didn't have any employees, but what payroll tax was. I mean, I know that now. I didn't know, you know, all of these different things. So if you're unsure and you're, you don't know exactly what's yours, how it's going to be about, you know, what taxes are going to be due, save that money. Right. And like I was saying, after a couple of years or one year, two years, three years, you will have, it's amazing how much you learn in those first couple of years as far as money coming in versus money going out. Right. And you will have a greater grasp of how much money it actually took to run and maintain that business. And you'll have a better outlook of what actually is yours versus what, you know, the business takes to survive. Yeah. A lot of people that are listening to our show that are considering self-employment, um, you know, there's a surprising number of people that don't balance the checkbook on a routine basis. So they determine how much money they have by looking at their bank account. And some people are better at forecasting upcoming expenses than others. And so you'll have people that, you know, they'll look at their bank account and they'll be like, well, I got a couple of expenses coming up, so we should be good. And they're literally... <laughs> It's cracking another Mick Ultra. Ugh, it tastes like fake beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so you'll literally have people that are like running their finances mm-hmm. based off of their bank account, right? Well, cash flow in your bank account in your home are a lot different than cash flow in your bank account in a business. The swings are much, much larger. The peaks are much, much higher. And the withdrawals are much, much larger as well. So you can't operate that the same. Like, we've all done this. We've all, like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I want to go to Vegas. Let me see how much money I got in the bank account. Oh, yeah, we're good. Like, oh, shit, forgot to pay my mortgage. Rando trip to Vegas. And, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, I forgot to account for my mortgage or my car payment or something, right? Mm-hmm. Well, imagine in a business where the 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 money is larger, but also... The oh shit I forgot are larger as yeah. well. Oh man, and, I, I didn't pay the Ferguson bill this month, and it's twenty four thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh shit. Yep. This is like something I just like was boneheaded about in my early twenties. I didn't really get finances under control until I was like twenty eight or whatever. But I remember like there's a period where I'd be like, oh, like I'm like paychecks fat. You yeah. go there, and it's like the next week you're having to return something, and you're like a like a total just like moron. You're like, yeah, right. I guess I forgot about my phone bill. Yeah, well, you know, and, and it happened repeatedly too. And for people that are paid weekly, what throws them off on a routine basis? There, every year there are three five week months. So, if you're paid weekly, there's three months out of the year where you have an extra paycheck. And so you undoubtedly, if you're paid weekly and you don't keep tabs on your money that closely, you come off of that month and you're like, oh, shit's looking up. We're good. <laughs> shit's looking up. So you make that commitment, right? You make a commitment to go get a different car, a new payment or something. And all of a sudden, the very next month is back to a four paycheck month, just like normal. Yep. And now it's like, hey, wait, where'd all our money go? <clears throat> yep. It was just one extra paycheck. Yep. So... And it's, you know, let's talk about just business for a second there. Say say you do have a couple of guys and your wife is helping you, you know, run the financial part of the business and she's looking at that checkbook, you know, and she doesn't realize, oh, we haven't paid that invoice because she doesn't know. Right. You know, realistically, she doesn't know. It can be a good idea for you to – this is – it's good for you to try to keep a tally of what you're spending at the supply house before the bill comes. Right, right. Like, so the way I did it was, is I put everything on a credit card, right? But all those receipts that I got for every month, I kept track of those, like, daily. Like, right. I would come in and I'd, I'd have a running total of 
this is what we're up to this month. Right. You know, this is ne- the next week. This is what we were at this week. This is the new monthly is this. You know, Janine didn't run my checkbook, but I just always wanted to know exactly where I was at. Right. Because I was extremely paranoid about, you know, what to do, how to do it, how much money I'd been spending, you know, how much extra I was going to have to pay if I needed, you know, Dustin to come help me. Was I going to have the money to, you know, pay him to do that? Right. It can be easier. It seems like more work to do that, but if you're nervous in the beginning, and that's what this show is about, keep a running tally of what you've spent. Yeah, you know, it's people have gotten away from budgets. You know well, what I mean? Like my grandparents, their budget was to the penny. Like she had it all written down. You know, every it. It's so, okay to do that. You can write all that stuff down and keep track of it. Well, and it can be hard to budget when you're new and you're unknown, right? Yeah. So. You'll get a kick out of this. This is how we do it in our business when it comes to, like, the supply house bill. Um, again, most of our listeners probably know, but if you're newer to the show and you don't, we have a plumbing company. And so um, plumbing supply houses, they are very good about basically gathering up all of the money you spent last month. Currently, right now, it is July, right? Yeah. So what they would do is they would gather up all of the money that we spent in June, and then in early July, they would hand us an invoice, and they would say, that's due August 15th. Yeah. So they're literally creating a scenario where you could buy something on July or on June 1st and not have to pay for it until August 15th. That's the same thing as a credit card. If you use your credit card, that's right. exactly the same way. Right. Same same setup, Business right? credit card, whatever. Well, <clears throat> as, as it pertains to our topic here about <clears throat> trying to even out those peaks and give you a better understanding of your cash flow and everything else, um, I did not want to get into a scenario where we would have these crazy wild swings. Our material is pretty pricey, right? It's not uncommon for us to spend, like you said, it's not uncommon for us to spend $25,000 a month in plumbing material. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a blink of an eye. Yeah, very easy to do. And, and you're not even, I mean, you guys are decent size. You're not huge. I mean, right. With these companies that got 10 guys, are spending 50, yeah. 60, 70. Right. And you know? so what we do... No disrespect. Um, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what we do, uh, and we've... I mean, I don't... I can't say we'll always and forever do this, but this was a massive help when we started out, was we worked with our uh, parts vendor. We use... We buy our material from Ferguson. Um, and uh, so we worked with them to um, work their system in a way that allows us to pay our parts bill weekly. And so we don't wait for that whole like monthly collection of invoices and then it's due in another 30 days yeah. after that. Like literally every every invoice that has been processed into their – like every Wednesday my wife goes in and she'll gather up all of – every Wednesday she'll gather up all of the unpaid invoices and she'll pay them. And, um, and so that makes it to where we're making four to five parts payments, parts bill payments – Every month, which is fine, but it keeps those peaks much more leveled out. Well, it keeps it, it gives you a more realistic view of where you're at. And um, the other thing that it does is like in our business, we're not on terms with any of our customers. And so if I go and do a $3,000 job for a customer, they're paying me at the completion of that job. So yeah. I'm looking at it like, okay. I did a $3,000 job for a customer on a Thursday. They've paid me for not all, all of my time, all of my material, all of my overhead, all of my everything. Why in the world should I hang on to that money for another four to five weeks until the parts company, the parts suppliers are asking for it, right? So I look at it like if I've, if I've been paid for the job, there's no reason I shouldn't be paying all of my vendors for the job because that gives me a very real definition or a very real view of the money that's in my bank account is mine. The more often you can pay your, this is, again, this isn't necessarily big business logic, but this is going to help. No, this is for guys like regular guys like us that are starting out. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to help you uh, help you financially succeed later, the more often, the faster you can pay your vendors and the more often you can pay them, the better you're going to understand cash flow and the better you're going to understand exactly how much money, how much of the money that's in your bank account is yours and how much yeah. is going to be 
obligated somewhere else. Like I just said, you have a more realistic view of of who you owe, what's yep. going out, and what is act, what the business made. You know, if you really wanted to break it down, you could break it down to we made this much this week. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you're paying your guys weekly. Right. You're paying your vendors weekly. Yep. You're doing jobs daily. You yeah. could literally break it down to, hey, this week we did X. And, and Next so, like, week. we see some funny peaks and valleys with ours because, like, all of our bills come out in the first five days of the month. Yeah. So we'll finish out a month on a big peak in the bank account, and then we've got our shop lease. We've got all of our vehicle payments. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, we've got work comp insurance, which if you're a plumber, your work comp insurance is astronomical. Oh, not if you do underground, if you don't do underground. We do. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, if you don't do underground, it's not. Right. And, and uh, again, speaking of things that your nest egg needs to be preparing for, not nest egg, but your, your little honeypot fund, um, every year you will get audited on your work comp insurance. Yeah. And you need to be prepared for a dramatically different number the next year. Like, in one year, we went from one employee to six employees. Well, because work comp is based on your revenue. Yeah, it's based on your payroll. Yeah. It's not based on your... Well, I mean, revenue it's, might be a modifier. Mo- re- revenue is a modifier, but it's employees and then revenue. Yeah. It's like... So your business insurance is based off revenue. Right. So if you do a whole bunch of revenue... Say you do 40 times more than you thought you were going to do when January comes around. Now, listen, (laughs) this is a gray area. Not all insurance guys call you and say, hey, we need to update your, you know, whatever. Like if you're working for farmer's insurance and you're an old man and you aren't really paying attention, (laughs) that guy may not call you, you know, and check. Who are you alluding to? Your dad. (laughs) That's who. I've been trying to get my insurance switched for two months. I'm switching it to him, but he is wearing me slick, man. He just, he's, he's like on the verge of being retired, but not retired. He's just so relaxed about everything. He's got one foot and nine toes out the door. I love Vic. He is awesome. But Yeah. yeah, no, just, you know. But if you get a young guy that's like, hey, oh, it's January 1. I, I don't know if it's January quarterly or what, but they will call you and say, well, what was your revenue this year? Yep. Because it, it's based on revenue. Right. Because they think, oh, you're doing this much. That means you're out in the field this much. Right. That's why your insurance is going up. So, I mean, you, you have to be prepared. And that's kind of the point of this episode is <clears throat> you need to be setting money aside so that you're prepared for the unknown. Right. Not all of that money is yours. I mean, we say it's yours because technically it is yours, but you need to be diligent and be responsible and be prepared for the unseen. Yeah. You know? No different than if you get a big bonus at work, it's foolish to go spend all that money and leave yourself with a bunch of credit card debt, right? Like, yes, the money was yours. However, you owed thirty five hundred dollars to Mastercard, bro. Right. I mean, but pay you're them popping first. bottles in Vegas because yeah. you got a ten thousand dollar bonus. Yeah. Pay them first, right? And then deal with it later. But right. that's not the American mindset, right? You the know? American mindset is mindset is have ten, spend eleven. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Didn't you know that? Yeah. Do they get when you come across the border in Mexico? Do they give that to you? Yeah. Hey, credit's free, money's free. Here, here's right. this. Here you go. Here's this pamphlet. Yeah. We're gonna give you twelve dollars. Spend fifteen. Yep. They, they make it to awfully America. easy to do. Right. Welcome to America. Um, the 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 other big outlier or the other big thing that you're gonna have to worry about is is based off of the number of employees you have, that egg is gonna change size drastically. Um, like we had already said, if it's just you by yourself, you know, that's one thing. But if you have a boatload of employees, like there might be businesses out there that are doing $100,000 a year in revenue, but they've got like 12 employees that are all like part-time. Those are still people that you're going to have. Like I, I would I would recommend coming up with some kind of a benchmark number to say like, my business savings account needs to have X amount of dollars in it per number of people I have on payroll. And so if you're at five people, let, let, I'm just going to use round numbers. Let's say you're at five people and you decide that number is $2,000 a person. Yeah. Well, now you have $10,000 in there, right? Yeah. Well, it needs to be that conscious of an effort to where, okay, and, and I'm going to hire. And that's per three months? 
per four months, per six months, for always I need that in there. You like need to always. be thinking about those right, things. Right. Well, <laughs> let's say you go to hire two or three more people. Well, one of the things that needs to be on your punch list for hiring somebody is I need to modify my business savings account to match my current staff. Um, and again, you're going to have to come up with those numbers on your own. It's A lot of it's going to depend on is that person hourly? Is there Are they salary? Um, are they a commission-based person? Because to me, that would lower that number that you have to have. Um, and it also is going to depend a lot on the goals that you have for the company. If you've got big growth goals, then chances are this episode is is kind of like common sense to you because you know you need to leave a bunch of money in yeah, the company putting, so you can grow it. Yeah, you're putting all that money away and saying, hey, none of it's mine as long as I get my paycheck and everything goes to 100% growth. Right. This episode is not for you. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I've seen guys start their company and before one tax cycle – their new boat, new truck, new motorcycle, and I mean they're just they're just going crazy, right? And and then lo and behold, they're the ones who end up years down the way or months down the way or you know whatever. At some point, their business is closed up, and it's all excuses. It's well, I got screwed over by a contractor, or well, the government screwed me over, or, you know, well, I, I don't even know what happened, right? Yeah. But it definitely wasn't my fault. No, yeah. actually, it totally was your That's fault. That's the other American way. Right. Blame the next guy. Blame somebody else other than me, right? So um, to this day, we're two years into the company. I'm still on the same salary that I was on when we started. Um, we modified my salary slightly whenever we uh, brought on employees and we brought on benefits because now that we were bringing on benefits and I was having to pay for some of those, like we had to we made a slight change to my salary. I'm still taking home about the same amount. Um, I am not the highest paid guy in my company. Um, That's me for everybody listening. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get side money for doing this. Tell you what, I will <laughs> double your pay starting tomorrow. <laughs> Jackpot. Double of zero <laughs> is still zero. That's right. Um, I am not the highest paid guy in our company. I'm not even close. And and that's intentional because my my focus is growth. And so I know that I need to be leaving as much money in the company as possible so that it can grow at the rate that I want it to grow. Um, I, I am getting some advice from some people that I trust to say I need to be adjusting my salary a little bit um, because banks want to see is as you get to the point where you might start utilizing banks to help you grow, uh, banks actually want to see the owner of the company making a more respectable wage than, like for instance, what I'm making, um, because it, it it adds to the ability for the company to be successful. Like if the company's only successful if the owner's not getting paid, yeah, that's not that enticing to a bank, right? If the company is half as successful but the owner is taking a really respectable wage. The bank would actually look at that and be like, all right, we can work with this, right? So, and if some of that comes to like understanding your worth and knowing your value and all of that it's, kind of stuff. First off, most of it's, that is bullshit. But yes, sometimes you have to do what the bank wants. Yeah. Like even if you can sit down and look at the numbers and say, hey, no, this is realistically where we're at. It's just, it's political posturing on their part it makes them feel better right because let's be honest when it gets down to um who will loan you money and who won't there's a board that they're taking those loan documents to and they are people yeah okay and sometimes you have to fool the idiots even the ones that work at banks well you know even though the numbers whether you're making money or not making money, if the business is making that money, it doesn't matter if you're an LLC. It's all rolling to you. Right. This is a complete side tangent, just about how <laughs> banks are – sometimes it's, it's a, complete it's bullshit. It's a game of smoke and mirrors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if it makes them feel all warm and fuzzy inside because you're paying yourself more of a wage, yep. then who cares if so, they're going to loan you the money you need? Real life story. Um, the bank – so we, when we started our business, we chose to go with the bank that I had my mortgage at because um, if you listen to the show since the beginning, you'll hear me talk about how I started our company using a home equity line of credit. And I figured it would just be easier since I was using a home equity line of credit to do it that we would start our business banking at the same bank that had my line of credit. Well, 
uh, as we got closer, we were a year and a half into business. This would have been early, like December of 2021. So seven, eight months ago, um, we were in a position where we needed to upgrade our trucks and I really wanted to get on a financed platform. Um, I like financing vehicles. It just makes sense in business because you're, you're lining up your month to month expenses or, or your annual expenses of the, the vehicle with the IRS's depreciation schedule. So it just makes sense. And my bank would not do it. Like I took like the VP of commercial lending out to lunch and said, as you can see from our financials, they're very impressive. The bank account is growing like rapidly every month. Um, but the cash flow issues, like if I have to go plunk down $70,000 in cash for a new van, that's a problem. Like it just totally wrecks your bank account. I would love to get on a financing platform. And you get all this BS of, oh, we'll look and see and, and everything else. But ultimately, like Dave said, it comes down to a board of directors. And their, yeah. their board looks at it and said, like, they have a hard lock inside of two years. If you don't have two full years of financials, it is an absolute no. They don't care at all. No, don't give a shit. If sands or butts, right? <clears throat> so um, I go to another bank that I've heard good things about. And I talk with them and they say, yeah, we'll take a look at it, fill out the app and everything else. I fill out the app and and I've got stellar credit. I mean, like amazing credit. And so I fill out the app and they're like, oh, yeah, we can totally do this. You said you were wanting to do three vans. And I said, yeah. And they were like, yeah, totally. When do you want to do it? And so we set up the paperwork for early January of 2022. And so we bought three. Um, like four weeks later, we had a growth opportunity where I needed to hire somebody else. Um, I had an our all-electric Ford Transit on order. I was hoping it would be our fourth van, but it was taking forever to get here. And we had this growth opportunity show up before the all-electric Transit was available. And so we needed to go buy another gas van. And so I go back to the bank and I'm like, hey, can we do a fourth? Uh, and they said, yeah, no problem. Yeah. And, and Personal like, relationship with someone that looks at the numbers completely different. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> and I was very upfront with them. And I said, okay, before we do this fourth, I need to let you know that I actually, I ordered a fifth one, but it's probably going to be here in another month or two. Like, I don't want to do this fourth and have it scratch me out of a fifth. And I would understand at some point you're going to say like, no, we right? need some cash because yeah. you're my you other pay my, for something, dude. <laughs> right. Like my other bank said, absolutely no to a single one. And here they are signing off on four, like it's nothing. And so she got on the phone, called the person right away. They said, let's take another look. And they said, oh yeah, you're totally good for a fifth. You're totally fine. You could buy a sixth one if you want. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I don't need a sixth yet. But, yeah. But it is, <clears throat> it is insane how, Two banks would look at the exact same set of finances dramatically different from each other. And that's part of, you know, the whole heart of this show is, you know, it takes you a long time. Like for me, it took even, I'm, I mean, I've been doing my own stuff for 12 years now. And it took me a long, like seven or eight years to understand exactly, and I don't know exactly, but to understand how banks work, right? What exactly is going on? What is happening? You know, you always, <clears throat> when you're younger, you, you just hear credit, 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 credit. What's your credit number? What's your credit? It's not about credit all the time. It's about credit and it's about purchasing power. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and like we talk about in some of the first few episodes, your purchasing power could be great and your credit could even be great. But if you've only been in business for six months, no one's giving you money no matter what. Right. Okay. This is really important when it comes to personal relationships and banks. I think it's a lot easier for us here in the Midwest because it's still kind of a uh, – it's more chummy yeah. than like on the coast. You know, you can still go in, learn someone's name, trust them with your account information, yep. and, you know, you can really get a, a feel um, for how that person is, how their business is you know, what kind of individual they are. Right. But it took me a long time to even get to that point where I realized, oh, you know what? It's all about who you know. It's all about and it's, relationships. It's, not... it's all about how to make the numbers work out in your favor. I think a lot of people don't start businesses because of that 
unknown about how it works. You know, how do I get money for this? How do I get money for that? You know, what? how do I make myself look good? You know, it's almost a self-esteem thing. How do I make myself look good to these banks to right. get ahead? You know, the the uh, two things real quick. Um, <clears throat> self-esteem, for people that are questioning their self-esteem, self-esteem is literally your ability to keep promises to yourself. That's all self-esteem is. The more promises you make here to yourself and you keep to yourself or keep for yourself, boosts your self-esteem. I've never heard anyone say it like that. It's, what I always think of, like I didn't get over my self-esteem issues until I realized that I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. Well, so exa- like prime example, like I people I will say don't I don't give care. a shit about what people think. I don't care. But then they'll catch themselves giving a shit about what people think. Yeah. Therefore, they're not keeping that promise to themselves and their self-esteem tanks. Saying. So yeah. if you say I don't give a shit about what people think, and it's legit. And then you start not giving a shit about what people You've think. You lied to yourself. You stop lying to yourself at that point, yeah. and you actually stop giving a shit about what people think. Yeah. All of a sudden, your self-esteem goes up. So, yeah. um, the Interesting. other the the other thing I was going to say there is, um, you know, when we started out, I had stellar credit. I had no purchasing power because of yeah. the, the timing that we were at. Yeah, no purchasing power. Well, now, the the uh, bank that we use now, they were able to look at the financial performance of the business and match that with my credit. And it, they were like, yeah, you're totally fine. You're moving enough money every month. You're totally fine. Like. If you're buying, if you're able to buy a brand new van with cash, there's no reason we wouldn't be able to finance you for two of them or three of them. Yeah. Right. Like it just, it just didn't make sense why the, and it was a board yeah. of directors thing. Is well, all and, it the, was. and the lie of you have to have credit to do this and you have to have credit to do that. Right. Um, I'll give Dave Ramsey credit here. So I always wondered, um, you know, their plan is no credit cards, no matter what, don't borrow money ever. Right. Well, when you do that for five years, you have no credit. Right. There's no you have no credit score. You've literally just fucked yourself over. But there, um, there are banks and institutions that will basically they do the same thing that your bank did here mm-hmm. that allowed you to. They will pull all your personal financials, everything, and they will look at all of it. Right. And come up with their own credit scenario right. of where you are at. Right. So for everyone that you know is on the I don't want to borrow money. I don't want to do this. I don't want to have a credit card. I don't, you know, there are alternatives no matter where you're at. Right, right. You know, to get what you need for that business to grow. And if you're being diligent, it really isn't going to matter. If you're being diligent and you're turning dollars, you can really get stuff done. Now, listen, I'm not saying, I don't remember what uh, one of the first episodes we talked about it on about get everything paid off. Personal finance prep. Personal finance prep. Episode two. Episode two. We talk about paying everything off, getting your money set aside to start your business because you're not going to be able to borrow money, just like Mitch said, for two years. Right. Okay. Now, you might get lucky and find a bank that will, but, you know, the overall... So our saving uh, scenario grace, is you need to have that stuff taken care of before you start. Yeah. Our saving grace was uh, the amount of revenue we were doing and the amount of cash flow we were performing each month. Um, outside of that, we would have been in that two year lock. Um, but you know, one bank looked at it and said, yeah, you're doing some really admirable revenue. You're doing some really admirable profit each month. So uh, we're going to not hold you to the two year lock thing. Um, so, so that was our saving grace, but we were unique in that area. And, um, those results should not be expected. Like you should plan on the two year wait. Um, you said something a minute ago, but too. if you're killing it, if you're killing it, then it doesn't guarantee it. It just opens that possibility. Yeah, it opens up. that door up. You said yeah. something a minute ago that said, it's not, um, <clears throat> you said it, it's a matter of who, you know, sometimes the life's a lot like that. I think that's a common, um, there are some very common misconceptions with that statement. It's not because what happens is people hear that and they go, well, I don't know anybody. So I guess I'm fucked. Right. No, but if you start your business, you will know people. Well, I like to look at it as it's not a matter of who, you know, it's a matter of who you ask. 
Um, because well, when you ask people and you form a relationship, now you know them. Correct. Okay. But a lot of people drop that off as I don't know anybody right now, so I'm fucked. Well, well you well, just got to go get to know people. Yeah. Right. We talk. Then, we talk about networking all the time on well, this and show. Then, and, yeah, this isn't that bullshit fake ass networking thing either. Like this is legitimate. Like a lot of people. So here's here's a problem with it. A lot of people. When have we with, say networking, we don't mean go to what they call an actual networking group and go to a bar and meet a bunch of strangers. That's not what. When we say networking, we mean be involved in your community. Yeah, that's most, networking. Most people look at networking for what the network can give them. And that's the wrong way to look at it. When you look at networking, you need to look at what you can give the network. And it's like a 10 to 1 ratio. Focus on giving the network 10 times the amount that they're giving you, and your network will pay off. And if it's not paying off at that, you're in the way wrong network. So um, the... um, you'll you'll learn as you as you go through business that I'm gonna say probably eighty to ninety percent of networks out there are absolute horseshit. Think of it this way. If it costs you nothing to join a network or it costs you very little to join a network, what do you think the quality of the relationships that you're gonna get from that network are? Well, you're you're saying network your your definition of network and my definition of network are different. My definition of network is being when I go to one of Layla's soccer games and or her practices, talk to those parents. Yeah. Be involved with those parents. Find out what they like to do. You know, yeah. what churches do they go to? You know, give them business cards. Yeah. That's the kind of network. When I say network, yeah. that's what I mean. Well, when, when you go to when you go to uh, say your wife, my like my wife works at a hospital, and there's a work party, and you go there. That's an opportunity to network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get, and you don't have to be beating it down people's throat. But if you, um, if you bring up your business and say, hey, if anything ever, you know, you need help, and you give out three business cards or two or one, that's right. networking. Right. I don't mean networking like Facebook platform networking. Ugh, like that's the worst. Like going to bars and meeting people for a quote unquote. Blue Springs Community Network Networking group. Event. Yeah, no, that's not what yeah. I mean. We're talking about organic networking. Well, when if Mitch calls me this fall and says, "Hey, I sponsored a group to play in a uh, golf tournament," getting ready to right now, okay, actually, and I go play in that golf tournament. Mitch is networking that tournament, but say I wanted to pit my business there, and I talked to five other guys there and they were like hey what do you do you know hey this is what i do this is my number ball guess what that's that's an organic networking opportunity right when i say network that's what i mean yeah and, and it's it's focused on the givers side of things the more you can give hey if i can ever help you out i do this you know i'm a, I'm a plumber so if I can ever help you out with your plumbing, let me know. It's not yeah. like it's not like, hey, if I can ever sell you something, no, if I can help. Yeah, right. I'm giving. Um, I'm not asking for your phone number for me to sell you something. I'm giving you mine with no inclination that you're ever going to call me again. Right. That's organic networking. Yeah. And if listen, when people network and people do stuff like that, and you give out business cards, you may give out a thousand and get two calls. Right. But you have to always be doing it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, you'll, you'll learn really quick, just like your circle of friends. You're probably auditing your circle of friends as you're considering starting your own company. Uh, your business network is very similar. Um, and you're going to find that you've got leeches and you've got mooches. I heard of a, a new scenario or a new saying, um, the, the customers that waste your time are called kangaroos because, Never heard of this. yeah, because, their, their hands are long enough to reach into that front pouch and grab all your free shit and stuff it in their pouch, but their arms aren't long enough to reach into their back wall back pocket and grab their wallet. <laughs> the Tyrannosaurus Rex so, would be good, too. Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> would be the same thing, right? So you're going to find that there are the kangaroos and the leeches that just want free shit. They're in it for the what the network can give them. But you need to identify networks where... People are willing to give, and by way of giving, they're also 
receiving. Yeah. And um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat around the bush. Some of those networks you might have to pay to be involved in. Do not <clears throat> turn your nose up at paying to be involved in those networks because in in the sharp contrast of a free network, if it's free to get in, how quality do you think the network is gonna be? Whereas on the other end, if people had to pay to be in that network, they're a lot more invested in both giving and receiving from that network. So well, that that's a whole topic for... That's another day. That's a whole other show there. But um, yeah, keep in mind, it's not... Like Dave said, the, the old saying is, it's, it's who you know, but... The, the modern way to look at that is it's who you ask, right? It's it's who you know and who you you'll get to know through by way of your network. And we talk about it. We've talked about it on a few shows about when you're first starting out, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Hey, I started this company. I'm asking for your business. Yep. If you know, here's my car. If you would take it, that'd be great. You're asking, yeah, for help. What's, what's the worst they can do? The absolute worst thing that can happen. They cannot call you. They could say no, or they could not take your. We talk. I think we had this exact conversation. This is that pride gut check. Yep. Your pride is, dude. You got to stamp that down. Yep. If you're afraid of being shot down, you're you're not gonna you're, make. You're it. not gonna make it as, no, as self-employed for sure. You're not gonna make sure. it. If yeah. you if you go home crying because you didn't make a sale. You ain't going to make it. Maybe that's why married men make good self-employed people is they get shot down all the time, so they're used to it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. So, Oh, man. Uh, Wrap it up, Mitch. I think, I think that about wraps up this show. So um, if this show brought you value, if you, uh, if you liked what you heard, if it made you think about things in a different way, if, you, if this show made you think of a friend – that could use this advice, please do us a favor and share this show with them. Literally, whatever platform you're listening on, you can tap the share button and send it right to them. So um, until next time, guys, we will see you later. Good show, Mitch. Talk to you later, man. See ya.